Welcome back to episode three of Argue With Your Mama, Not Me. I am so excited to have my favorites on this episode this week. This is going to be a good one, folks. So I'm going to turn it over to my Black With No Chaser crew to do an introduction, but they are not new to none of my listeners. They have been on other episodes. I rock with them. If y'all don't follow Black With No Chaser on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, download the radio app, all that good stuff. I'm going to need y'all to do that right now before we start this conversation. So I'm going to turn it over to Rillo for an introduction. Appreciate that, Keenan, man. Thank you so much for having the crew from Black Window Chaser back, man. It's always good to be on your show. Uh, but yeah, I'm Rillo or Cirillo, uh, CIO of Black Window Chaser. And so good to be on. I won't take too much time with the intros. You know I mean? Because if you know, you know. And so let's get to it. CJ, man, what's up, bro? And what's happening? I was trying to turn my damn notifications off first and foremost because they was pinging in the background and shit. But um, I'm CJ, CEO of Black Window Chaser. Uh, very glad to be here with, with Sis Kina again. And uh, yeah, man, I, I really want to just get into it. I know you got a lot that you want to kick today. So um, shit, I'm with it. I'm with whatever. Definitely. Um, so we're taking it home for CJ. We're going to talk a little bit about what's happening in Mississippi. Our boy, Brett Favre. I know all the sports fans out there remember him. Um, Hall of Fame quarterback. Green Bay Packers has been in the news lately Mm -hmm. uh, because he decided to move some of that good, real good state money that's supposed to go to people who need it, families who need food stamps, families who may need support with health care, daycare, all of that. They decided to move $1.1 million to Brett Fire for speeches that he didn't do. They also move money over to his alma mater for a volleyball Southern Miss facility. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, as I was reading through this article, I found out that they also moved money to a pharmaceutical company that he is the number one stockholder for. Move some money to them. Mm-hmm. So he's went and paid some of this money back. At least part of the $1.1 million he's paid back, he owes $228,000 to mm-hmm. Mississippi for that. But, you know, what's going on? I mean, we talk about, cor- like, we talk about corporate welfare as a mm-hmm. left issue all the time, yeah. but it right. doesn't really stick, right? But, you know, at the same token, you know, they don't want to give us money to increase access to health care. They don't want to give us money to increase the amount of money families get towards daycare so they can go to work. You know, right now, we'll talk about this a little later. There are folks who want to stop the fact that Biden wants to relieve some Americans of their student loan debt. I mean, my little $20,000 compared to this man's $1.1 million should mm-hmm. sound like a drop in a bucket. But again, when you're rich, you can get away with stuff that everybody else can't. So You can get away with shit, for real. What, what say y'all on Brett Favre even taking this money and thinking he was going to get away with it? Like, what is that? Well, yeah, as you said already, Kena, I am from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where Southern Miss is located, where Brett mm-hmm. Favre do the ball, you know what I mean? Before he before he went on to be drafted by the Atlanta Falcons and then traded to the Green Bay Packers. So the Favre legacy is something that we're very, very familiar with. We also are familiar with him having a compound 
here right outside the, the outskirts of Hattiesburg. This mm. man has a huge home. He's a hundred millionaire. Mm. You know what I mean? So he got the money. You know, if he wanted to do something for the school, he could have just did it his damn self. But the reality is, and and, and we all know this, is that uh, typically, um, particularly in a state like Mississippi, conservatives uh, go out of their damn way to ensure that we don't get a damn thing. The reality is, is the funds that Brett Favre actually accessed were called TANF funds, which essentially are the equivalent of welfare funds, right? I mean, that's what it is. Uh, and they call them temporary because they don't want you on them for a long time. But the reality to that, to the, the funny thing is, is that only 2% of the people that were qualifying for this were actually receiving it in the state of Mississippi. So the, the federal government, Mississippi itself is on welfare. The federal government gives Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, more federal funding than any other state in the union. We get more because we are also the poorest state in the union. But when we have conservative leadership in state offices, they fight tooth and nail to hold on to them. You already talk, talked about and touched on uh, Medicaid and, and Medicare expansion and the fact that they do not want to expand Medicaid in, um, in, in the state of Mississippi because that would mean um, giving access to poor people. Uh, as far as healthcare is concerned, the same is true with education in the state of Mississippi and Cerillo. I know he can speak to that because I think I think he might have even worked on that issue uh, as well. So I, you know, I certainly defer to him on the, in in that regard with, with regard to fully funding education with federal funds that were made available to do so, uh, and obviously giving poor people what they need uh, as far as the TANF funds were concerned. Two percent. And yet Brett Favre, who obviously wouldn't qualify for it, was able to access $1.1 million, not only uh, to, to at all, but for the purpose of using it for something that ain't even got nothing to do with uh, welfare. Like, they get mad when we buy crab legs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they, they, they try to see if we getting crab legs when it's time to eat. And we, and we using food stamps for what they for. Food. You know what I mean? But We've seen in the state of Mississippi, and I don't mean to ramble, but this same, this very same uh, auditor, uh, a black woman was was the uh, tax assessor in Rankin County. Uh, in 2021, she was sentenced to 18 months, but no, she was sentenced to uh, 15 years, but most of her sentence was suspended, and the rest of her 18 years. I mean, her 18 months were to serve on house arrest. That's what she received for stealing $6,000. These, these white folks, these conservatives, they are really... Um, no, CJ, you got it. So, so if this was C3, I would yeah. say, don't say conservative. or Don't say Republican. Don't okay, say the you, R you're word. Right. You're right. We got to make sure that people, because everybody don't know that conservative in C3, C4 spaces means Republicans, right? They just say conservative right, right. because conservative, progressive, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just want to make sure that, because a couple of things we were saying, that there was a they thrown out, there was a us thrown out, there was a conservative thrown out as Republican. I think they are Republicans, us being people that are what? Economically insecure people, people struggling to make a buck, people that need these funds. So us is not really just us from an actual partisan level. 
But us, when people just being general folk out there, I don't care if you're white, black, blue, purple, green, who actually need access to the system that was created for them. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to make sure we qualify that really quickly because I know we mm-hmm. so used to saying conservative because of the work that we do and we say right. it and we know what it is. But I think folks that listen to these uh, these podcasts, uh, we got to make sure we put uh, the Republicans um, and hold their feet to the fire and let people know that when things are happening like this, there are Republicans that are doing the dirty work. Oh, and yeah, not saying the sure. Democrats, not saying the Democrats haven't, you know, haven't made their own bed in particular ways, not too. Uh, yeah. But and for this particular issue, as it as it stands in Mississippi and Tate Reeves and the Phil Bryant's right yes. of the world and the Haley Barbers of the world and all those folks down in Mississippi for thirty plus years. Shit, uh, more uh, than um, that. I know. We, I, I'm just saying the last few few decades, right. but the we can trace back to five, six, seven, eight decades mm-hmm. of uh, Republican control within Mississippi that has led Mississippi to being last in the union or virtually last in the union across right. all categories. I think the only the only other state that can actually like, you know, shoulder bump with Mississippi is my home state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And we know that mm-hmm. we're dealing with a big fight down there right now with Cassidy running for re-election. Um, and uh, and uh, what's his name? I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, uh, yeah, brother, brother Gary. And he's mm-hmm. down there trying to win the race and uh, I'm telling you, man, and even with knowing what we know now, being 45th and 50th in the country, respectively, mm-hmm. uh, going back and forth, depending on the right. year and the date. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it just shows that, you know, Republican leadership is uh, has failed. Uh, trying to South win the struggle race. Mm-hmm. Try to win the damn struggle race and pin everything against Democrats and corporate welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, while at the same time, though, the most socialist folks in this country are rich folks in this country. Right. I mean, look, they just like to steal it rather than rather than, you know, allocate it. You know, that's, that's the difference. I mean, but they stole nearly a hundred million dollars from the state of Mississippi and, no. and distributed it to rich people, wealthy people for purposes that were not at all what they were intended for. Uh, so the, the, the poor people who are supposed to actually have access to those funds never saw them even in the process of attempting to properly go through the right channels to get them only 2%, 98% of the people who, who applied for this got rejected. And yet they got 70 million of it to give to Brett Favre and other multimillionaires for the purpose of building companies, funding things that literally have nothing to do with what the hell that money was for. And that's, and in my belief is that that's that's not the only time they've done that. I mean, it's certainly not the only time they've done it. It's just the first time that somebody dug enough into it to call it out. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that Democrats have 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 skirted the line and tried to pay both sides in this issue as well. Um, the reason why it's so hard for us to get benefits when we need it is because President Clinton decided to reform the way in which we got welfare benefits in the 90s because he wanted to play to Republican support, which is nonsense. You never had it anyway. Um, once Newt Gingrich got into office in the 90s and made it clear it's us versus y'all, it, you wasn't getting their support anyway. So, you know, Democrats have done us a disservice by not being 100% honest to us and trying to play both sides as if we aren't in this partisan war that is real. Speaking of stealing from us, 
and not taking care of us. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Mississippi, the Jackson and Mississippi water crisis. Of course, it's years and years of a Republican state not wanting to take infrastructure dollars uh, from the federal government, government to actually fix things. But what's funny is there are water systems all across Mississippi's suburbs that work just fine and they don't have this issue. And they'll try to say it's because of a tax base, but then we get down, we going down a rabbit hole because we can talk about how if you're not investing in education, therefore you don't have a smart enough workforce to be able to attract people and jobs and corporations to Mississippi. Families, when they decide where they're going to move to, they look at the school system. And if it doesn't rank high enough, why would you move to that place? So that's another reason. Like this is a cycle that is nonsense. But I do want to throw out there that they recently raised or lifted um, their boiling water mandate. But I'm sure the folks down in Jackson don't really buy it. If the water wasn't clean a few months ago, what have you done for them lately to make them feel like the water is even better, even though you lifted this? Uh, So, you know, are you hearing anything on the ground, CJ? How are folks feeling about this? This is Flint all over again. And I'm just... I'm I'm over this, but it's going to happen somewhere else. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, so this is finesse in the in the you know, I mean, like literally even the boil water lifting, uh, it's essentially the, the current governor of Mississippi, also a Republican. Um, Tay Reeves was right. Tay Reeves was a former lieutenant governor uh, and now current governor uh, is playing a game with people's lives. And if you look at the pattern that you just stated, if you look at the pattern that exists, then we understand that literally uh, this happens in every black community across the country, particularly in urban cities. And that's where we are often densely populated. Right. So if you look at Flint, like you said, the same struggle exists with, with infrastructure. The same struggle existed with the state of Michigan. And, you know, eventually um, there were criminal charges at one point in time brought against them. I know that uh, some things have occurred that allowed them to to evade those charges, but charges were brought because of the actions that were taken. You're seeing that there's some issues with infrastructure taking place in Baltimore, another predominantly uh, black city. Uh, The same is is true with New Orleans. And they've had some issues. Uh, obviously Katrina is a is an environmental issue that took place. You look at Union, Alabama, a predominantly black place. You look at Cancer Alley in Louisiana, another. So environmental racism is systemic racism. And that's what's occurring here. And you have this paternalistic relationship between the state of Mississippi and the city of Jackson that is you know, it's full of animosity because the, the the city of Jackson, people need to understand, is the second blackest city in the entire country right behind Detroit. So when you understand that, you understand that literally black folks run the capital of Mississippi. You can't you can't do it without without Jackson. We're the biggest city, um, you know, and in spite of and in spite of them extracting the resources from Jackson, that's the part they don't tell you. The reason the streets are fucked up is because they driving on them to work every day. They doing a business in Jackson. Uh, they utilize Jackson's numbers and population to build around Jackson 
while at the same time simultaneously attempting to bleed Jackson dry of its resources. And yep. uh, and then they then they want you to beg for the money. Uh, I believe they were given seven million dollars. Right? They begging too, though. Not not they begging too. It's just that they begging too. It's just that mm-hmm. you know white folks got money for the lobbyists, and then you know people of color, socioeconomically, uh, mm-hmm. people that that don't have the money to beg in a more cordial manner, um, mm-hmm. and not really get in the streets. Uh, now if we had the money to beg how they beg, um, we would too have the money. Uh, it's just a matter. This is a, this is a matter of access, and I think that like the it, it it's a longer road, right? Uh, it's a longer road when you're talking about taking the route of activism, um, and, and you're not really and you ruffling feathers when you mm-hmm. go underneath the table. You lobby and you got a team, and I don't have to go around. And so when I, to me, like I, I guess because I see it, I see it every day, right? I mm-hmm. see it at the highest level, and I know that it don't matter who. What, what speaks what speaks to me oftentimes, and I think a lot of times this, this really goes and and leans on the whole idea of you know uh, abolishing Citizens United or getting it overturned is because there's so much money in politics and it's hard to track the money. There's dark money, um, and this really also leans on what the Democrats are trying to do and try to kind of get rid of some of the dark money in politics. And it's just like, look, dog, and anytime 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 an issue can be bought and sold. Uh, anytime communi- communities can be bought and sold, uh, anytime they can be bartered and put on a chopping block and whoever got the most money and resources. But the, the thing is, is that like, like Jackson in of itself, and this is just my time in Jackson, it's my three years mm-hmm. down there going to school. Like, bro, I, it was it was almost horror stories of the, uh, of the amount of hoops that Jackson had to uh, go through. And at the mm-hmm. time in which I was still there, Jackson was losing this, uh, losing Southwest. So Jackson right. didn't want, so the, so the, so now you have, uh, once again, Republican-controlled state, a Republican-controlled the legislature. They want to control the airport. So instead of giving Southwest what they wanted, they say, you know what, though? We not. And so we're going to actually, once again, take away from another resource, another cash cow, another uh, strategic partner for the city of Jackson, and they eliminated that. Now, I think since then, Southwest has come back uh, to, to Jackson. But nevertheless, though, right, it just, again, once again, though, they put, they put you behind a, a rock in a hard place between a rock and a hard place and make you have to make decisions that you wouldn't normally make. And, right. and then you end up being in this kind of like conundrum. And then now you, and like, now you got to act, act hastily. And, and so I think that like Jackson has ultimately fell into that kind of like, you know, so Rilo, of like, you know, black hole. If you of, really uh, think just, about it though, the, the, the difference, the distinguishable characteristic there is that these state leaders these, you know, Mississippi is a majority Republican state. It's a hella red state. Like it ain't, they ain't even talking about the, the election getting stolen, this motherfucker, because it was so far from close that, you know what I mean? That, that, that ain't even some shit they bringing up. But when it comes to, when it comes to literally like the, the stealing aspect, we know that Mississippi is receiving their funds from the federal government. They're receiving their funds. But the city of Jackson is having to then ask Mississippi to allocate the funds from that the federal government has given with the with the understanding that Jackson is in need of this most uh, that 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 Jackson needs to help. And then, you know, essentially. I create, they, they the, I create the, the problem, fix the right. problem. I create the problem and fix and the problem. So all of exactly. a sudden you always, an illusion. and now you always thinking that, hey man, Republicans fix this. 
Well, you're creating all the problems. You've right. been in control since the inception of goddamn Mississippi. And starving so you're creating you. all the problems, mm-hmm. starving you out, and then giving you a little food and saying, A water bottle. See, see, that's what I did. Yeah, exactly. I, I Then I'm going to tell you that your water's that good. But also mm-hmm. at the same time, though, we're really telling you, I hope you're using water bottles every single day because damn sure this water ain't back to where it needs the to be. The conversations like, that they... Uh-huh. Bro, Flint ain't, even, Flint ain't even back to where it needs to be. And then the crazy part is, though, is that, like, they had cities surrounding Flint, towns surrounding Flint, Detroit as well, that was actually worse off than mm-hmm. Flint. It just so happened Flint got the actual news. I talked to somebody, right, that like that really had the whole play on Flint. And this is not diminishing where Flint was at because it was awful. And it still is, is in need of uh, uh, a lot of infrastructure uh, money. But there were towns that were around Flint that were worse off than Flint, which is bad. Which and a lot of them probably was relying cities. on Flint. A lot of them were probably relying on Flint's water system. And so bro, if you really think about if you really think about this this dynamic that's at play, like it's literally they want you to dance for it. Like they they're 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 essentially saying to 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 uh I believe that Jackson applied for 40 million dollars of let's say miss let's say federal government gave uh the state of Mississippi, two hundred million for infrastructure. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the correct number, but let's say of that, of that two hundred million, Jackson applied for forty million of it. Jackson being over two hundred thousand people, uh, the lord by far the largest city in the in the state. Um, I believe they received one point one million after applying for forty million with the state. So that lets you know that the state is not only hoarding the money, but being egregious with the money. I'm going to take it back to Katrina. When Katrina happened in the state of Mississippi, the Mississippi Gulf Coast was ravaged. Uh, Central Mississippi was also affected, but not in the way that the Mississippi Gulf Coast was. Uh, As a result of it, we were given Katrina relief funds for the purpose of rebuilding after all of the damage that occurred. But when when that was $23 million left, and uh, the Mississippi coffers after the after the uh, relief efforts took place, they gave twenty three million. The last twenty three million of those dollars went to Ridgeland, Mississippi, which is in Madison County, the wealthiest county in Mississippi, for the purpose of building the Renaissance Mall. One, because they wanted to get the hell away from where the black folks was, and two, because they gave that they they wound up allocating those funds to a place that was not significantly impacted by Katrina. So they used Katrina money for the purpose of building up the already wealthiest part. Once of, again, lobbying, right. bro. So so this, that's this resources. Pattern, right. This pattern ain't new. Like they've been doing this shit, but that's another instance of of when it occurred. Oh, and this happens in the Northeast. In New York, they spent, they called it the Buffalo Billion. They were going to spend a billion dollars in Buffalo in order to revitalize a Rust Belt city. Where did that money come from? It came from the state suing banks for not properly allowing Black people access um, to loans. So this was a, so basically it was money that was there that was supposed to get used and trickle down to black communities, the ones that weren't getting access to the money when they were trying to develop their community, but they decided to put it on a waterfront. Who goes to the waterfront? 
everybody and everybody in the suburbs come to Buffalo because they want to go to waterfront concerts, but the money didn't go to the east side. And if we're talking about environmental justice, you know, we know for a fact that there are lead pipes all through Buffalo's housing infrastructure. Nothing but lead pipes. Lead, lead has been an issue for tw over 30 years, but we haven't managed to address the housing needs. That, that So this was... This is happening in Detroit. This is happening in Michigan. This is happening in New York State, one of the most liberal and progressive states in the union. Um, this is happening in the South. When we don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to have a conversation about power dynamic because before I was a champion of like voting, voting could cure all ills, but it, it's not, it's, that's not true. Voting is very, it's extremely important, but we have to engage and be active on so many different levels. And, um, you know, this is, again, this is a cycle that's happening everywhere. Oh. And we've, <laughs> we can go down this rabbit hole. I, and talk about I, I'm about to say, I was like, I don't even want, I don't even want to derail the conversation about like, uh, cause like, this is also like, you know, I think about just how we get information to our people, why black media is so important. You know what I'm saying? Why our show should be getting fully funded is because like, yo, there's a certain level of responsibility and care uh, that we that we have for our communities uh, because we come from those communities. We still have family in those communities. We have friends in those communities. Our beloved HBCUs are in those communities. And so it's like when we get on air, we know that at when we speak, it's literally like, yeah, you want to make it entertaining. But at the same time, though, we're really trying to give you facts. And like, that's why I try to tell people, man, like, yo, follow argue with your mama follow black with no chaser follow black people be knowing follow all these shows because the thing is download bwnc radio app because when you do you're really unlocking the true potential of what black media can be right you're hearing from familiar voices voices that sound like somebody from around the way but you're also hearing from uh but you're getting the real of the real you're not getting the fluff what CNN or MSNBC wanted to give you because they thought it was clickbaity. We actually giving you what the hell is really happening in real time that was on the ground, folks been there and so on and so forth. Uh, but yeah, cause I could talk a lot about, and I don't wanna go too far down the media. Cause like, cause I feel like all this is really touching on just resources and Systemic. access. And it's just, it literally is what systemic racism is truly right. all about and a systemic <laughs> oppression of like communities of color, black people, and, and, and uh, to be specific, people, but yeah, man, I guess just people, people rarely want to hear about this. I mean, like people don't hardly ever want to hear about systemic ra racism because, to uh, in a lot of ways, people think it's just this blanket term that, but literally, you can look at it and break it down from fucking Oakland to Buffalo. You know what I mean? From the from the west to the east, from the north to the south, like the same shit is happening in each of those places, all the way down to the shit we saw with, and I don't mean to take us off on a tangent, but in in uh, L.A. County the other day, I think, with the, with the well, in L.A., with the city council. So, you know what I mean? Like, this shit is happening everywhere as far as it relates to us being impacted by it, so. Yeah. I was upset when Black News Channel shut down. I was too. We talking about how important black media is and us being able to tell the truth and not sugarcoat it and talk directly to our people. I was really upset when Black News Channel decided to 
stop, you know, mm-hmm. to chill or to stop yeah. the presses because I was just like this. To me, it was refreshing mm-hmm. um, to see all of our issues kind of be in be in the forefront. They when it talked about international news, they touched on our issues in Yemen. They talked about our issues with Palestine, you know, Palestinian and Israeli conflict in a way that centered and actually talked about black issues and black people. And, you know, um, you know when the war started, they talked they were the first ones to report that black people weren't let out of Ukraine and were having to work even harder to get out of a country that wasn't theirs. I mean, the, so the shit wasn't going how the how the folks that was funding it thought it was gonna go. Yeah, and oh. that goes back to again though, right? Like, yo, you got like when you like this is why this is why really I hold near and dear to our platforms, y'all, because like autonomy is key, yo. Like we can't really do and say and be as unapologetic that we want to be. Um if we beholden to still the same dollar that been having the foot on our necks of our communities that's created the same issues and then now trying to fix the issues and then now we're trying to actually, no, 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 you can't do it like that. Like, we got to really find ways to support our media platforms, y'all. Because the thing is, Black News Channel, like, yeah, yeah, they were trying to come at it as more, I think, traditional news, right? They wanted to give it to you more, the CNN look. Um, and I think that actually part of it too, though, didn't really play. Um, and I, I think that's a small piece, but I think part of it is like that didn't really play well with black folks. I think black folks wanted something different. I think black people wanted something different. They wanted to see the dude around the way that's giving it to them, how they heard it around the way, but it's sound, but it's the truth. And they wanted more of that. They wanted the, the brother in the hoodie. They wanted the sister in that maybe she in the bonnet today. And then she got a head laid yesterday or today, whatever it is, right? Like they, they want, blackness to show up in every single way and this goes full circle about why our, our institutions and what we build in the platforms we build are so important because it allow blackness to roam free and we allow blackness to roam free you really get the truth that you really feel the true weight of what it is to be black in america and we actually feel good about being black in america and so like you know that's just my thoughts man like again i think that there's a lot to be said around media but i know we're not here for the media, but the thing is, to what CJ's point, systemic racism is so real, y'all, that like it's hard to not have these conversations and your mind's going and you're also thinking about the connection to this and the connections to that and the connections to that and not have to bring this up because every time you be like, every time we say this, and you're like, oh yeah, but actually if it was, if that would have been different, we could have not, this wouldn't be an issue. And just like, you know, you brought up the whole education thing, right? You was like, yo, well really, if we had fully funded education, then maybe would have had actually smarter and more ready to go workers to actually right. do the thing in Mississippi or but, around the country. I mean, it's the so, same, but let's talk. I mean, and I don't want to, you know, go too far, but if you think no, about keep it, going. they didn't want us, they didn't <laughs> want us reading. Right. I mean, they didn't want, they didn't want enslaved people reading for a reason. And it's because when you start to read and you become, you acquire knowledge, then you begin to challenge the systems that exist. And the reality is there's a reason that Mississippi is the most miseducated state in the state in the in the union and has consistently been that uh, and as also the blackest state. And I'm not saying that there's a correlation between being black and being uh, mis- mis- miseducated. But when you got Mississippians who think Mississippi first uh, being the educators of your children, then they are 
going to uh, Miss Gat. Man, I remember. I remember. And I was in the sixth grade. I'm going to tell y'all a story real quick. I was in the sixth grade. Uh, it was the inauguration. Look, I just learned a little bit about elections and shit like that. I was in sixth grade. Um, it was it was Bill Clinton's inauguration. And I know he did fuck shit. But at the time, I'm 12 year, 11, 12 year old kid. George Bush was getting the fuck up out of there. The first George, you know, the, the first George. And uh, so I'm literally cheering at the screen. I have a, a white teacher. Her name was Miss Amaker. She literally turns red in the face with tears in her eyes and says, don't you do that in my classroom. He was a darn good president, a darn good president. And as I, and, and she told me to be quiet in her class as this was, I'm 11, 12 years old, interested in politics to the extent that I, I feel something for uh, witnessing the inauguration. And when I get ready to walk out of her class, as I stand up to go to gifted class, I say, free at last, free at last. Thank God almighty. I, I, and the whole class bust out laughing. And I didn't even <laughs> realize the connection between, you know, but the reality is I'm one of the gifted kids at our school and she's doing this. So imagine the kids who, who, who may not have that infrastructure at home or, you know, being, being instilled with that, who are still having these type of people. This was in the nineties doing this type of shit to them, you know? And so, man, yeah. there is a correlation of being American and being miseducated. I'm going to say it again. There's a positive correlation of being American and being miseducated. Right now in the goddamn state of Texas, they are calling former enslaved people workers. That's still in textbooks to this day. And we know, in fact, enslaved folks couldn't have been a worker. Why? Because they didn't receive any wages, not even indentured servitude wages, right? Man, like when you see stories like that coming up and, you know, like we got this whole idea of like demonizing people who woke, right? Democrats are woke. Um, and first of all, people, let me just say this, people don't say woke anymore because white folks have hijacked it. And I don't want to say any white folks. Uh, the white folks co-opted. have turned, co-opted the, the, the woke term, but don't even know what the hell it is. And so since then, I would like to say for the most part, um, a majority of black folks who understood the nature of woke have refrained from using woke. Uh, so we don't use woke anymore, goddammit. Um, before that very reason, because it's just like the damn comfort dance and everything that's happening right now. Sooner or later, that shit gonna go because, you know, when you just, we make anyway. The, we make the shit cool. And so the minute mm-hmm. they start using it, it's not cool anymore. It's yeah. just like, mm-hmm. respectfully. Um, <laughs> respectfully. <laughs> respectfully. Uh, you, got, you got to say it respectfully, because if not, then, you know, it, it's disrespectful. It's- but does it make it more disrespectful for saying respectfully? I <laughs> that, oh, no, part, I, that part, I, I agree with the last part, actually. <laughs> Yo, I literally saw somebody... a dude say <laughs> A dude said that shit the other day to a judge with all due respect and then said some disrespectful shit. Yo. She was I like, mean, that's our segue. That's the segue <laughs> line. You know you're about to get told off when we hit you with the with all due respect, you're you know it. finished the uh-huh. finish it. You high. already know. You already so, know. CJ, dog. I had a similar story. It's um, I'm thinking I'm like 11th grade, 11th or 12th grade. They decide to air on TV when we invaded Iraq. Mm-hmm. I was the only, I'm the only black girl in my class. 
and I am disturbed. Mm-hmm. I am like disturbed. I am not feeling it. I don't think we need to be going to war. And I just remember the reactions of like my teacher in the room. Like she didn't say nothing to me, but it said a lot to me being the only one disturbed that we were invading a sovereign country. Mm-hmm. And I know I did not buy that they were responsible for 9-11 come to find out that all the, all the people were not. rolled up on that airplane was actually from Saudi Arabia and not Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, weapons of mass destruction did not exist. And it was all a play for oil access anyway. Oh, right. and we also know the, you know, the military industrial complex contractors like to make mm-hmm. a whole lot of money and they make a whole lot of and money. Still, and still doing it. So, you know, it's we're we're in these spaces when you're young and you don't realize what they're going to mean to you later. And, you know, I've I grew up going to Catholic school, actually, from like second grade all the way to my senior year. And I decided to go to an all girls Catholic school for high school. You know, and it, for me, it really wasn't like a race thing. I'm like, I'm and my and my father gave me a choice. Like, I can go so you can go to Lackawanna High School if you want. That's where I'm from. Y'all know I'm from really okay, Lackawanna. Okay, yeah, um, right side outside of Buffalo. But he he gave me a choice, and I decided to go to that high school. And honestly, it was a great experience. I I wouldn't trade it for the world. And it got me where I'm at right now. So I'm all right. There you go. But yeah. you know, it's just funny when you're in these spaces as a black person, and you can really look back at a moment in time where your blackness was on display mm-hmm. in in your mind or in others. And you just be like, you just like, wow. But I also it, wanted to say when we had this conversation about communications, I think yeah. where black news channel fucked up was that they didn't take the black with no chaser approach before deciding to go to air. You spent a lot of money creating a a news network that's supposed to be on par with CNN. And for you to do that without having a strong enough people base, Black people base, and then expecting you to just translate to TV that easy is the reason why they failed. Uh, So I'm going to clap because eventually that will be on TV. And that's this. They got this book called The Power of Broke, right? And it talks about all these situations in which People that start off with a lot of money had an idea and then flopped, and people that didn't have a lot of money they took off, right? And this is just a uh, the Black News Channel is a is a tragic microcosm of just like when you got a lot of money behind it, but you haven't created authentic and kind of like built community up in the way. And really though, it really goes back to like any idea, right? I'm gonna tell you around brown looking chicken, my my little annual part. I'm just bringing this up because like I just know what I know about something. Try to move away from BWNC for one second. And it's a good time, y'all. So if y'all ain't never been to a brown liquor and chicken, you find one in a city near you. <laughs> and uh, and so the reason why I brought that up, because like folks wanted me to try to scale it before I understood what proof of concept was to me. Right. And I think that oftentimes when you got an idea or you got something that's good, but you don't know the various nuances of what it takes to actually like build that community what that community wants from the actual particular product or brand. And I think when you do that and you put a lot of money behind it, what people, what I perceive it to be, is you're trying to force feed me something that's controlled by somebody that doesn't really care about my communities. And so it comes off inauthentic. It comes off force fed. It comes off as if like, 
oh, well, if y'all just throw a bunch of money behind y'all, we're supposed to just follow y'all or something like that. And so when you don't have the trust, especially in the age of, you know, when people, younger folk, right, especially our age group and younger, are looking for more authentic voices coming from smaller platforms, getting it from the, even the more like, I would say the more cultural side of NPR, right? When you talk about the more cultural side of NPR and, uh, and give you really like just facts about what's going on. Uh, I think that, you know, mixed in and probably some topics they lean too much. They, they lean, you know, too far into, uh, and I'm talking about the, you know, Palestine and I mean, Israeli issues, uh, but also like a couple of the issues, whether we defund the police, with the issues with, like you say, with Yemen or other or the issues that are facing Black communities feel really strongly about. I think ultimately the ad dollars and where the big dollars are flowing from were from people that just that were really, um, I think, not really they thought into... It was gonna be, yeah, they thought it was going to be something be, else. They thought it was going to be Black Fox News, to be yeah. quite honest with you, initially. I think that's what they thought it was going to be. But the people that they hired, who were some dope people, by the way, uh, as journalists, um, and, and personalities. Uh, I thought there were some. I thought there were some awesome uh, individuals. Um, they had Mark. They had Yodit. They had. Um, they had a lot of a lot of people that I I actually respect, and we know some of the you know some of the people now that you know have had had done some of the work with it. But even from the outset, one of the problems they had was they had a white CEO. You know, you can't be the black news channel with a white CEO. Well, CEO you just can't. And Black with No Chaser wrote an article about it because, like, we like, you know, and it wasn't a, it wasn't from a place of hate. It was really from a place of love and like, hey, if we're going to really do this and we're rooting for you because if you break through, it creates the opportunity for us to break through. But the reality was you can't do this with this face as your leadership. Like It just it, it doesn't it doesn't it won't resonate with who you're trying to resonate with. And that's the reality is you have to build community first and you can't build something that you can't build what you think people are going to like. You got to build the shit based on what people tell you they like. And there's a significant difference in that is when you're, when you're learning to refine your product or whatever it is, your service, uh, you're providing the service that is going to be a benefit to your customer, not the service that you think is going to benefit who you think is your customer. Because you know what, what you mean? think don't really matter. It don't. You know what I mean, it, it matters, matters, but it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Not about your business. Like, <laughs> like you got an idea and you may have an idea about what you want that thing to do. But once you put that thing out there into the ether, into the communities, um, whatever your idea is, that idea is going to be manipulated by way of just the forces around it. And you've mm-hmm. got to react and be able to, you know, be nimble enough. And I think that full circle going back to talking about the issues here is that yeah. uh, we got to be nimble enough as black people in black communities um, to understand the issues of the day and to be able to compartmentalize our issues and, and to know that, hey, look, like it could be this one day, it could be that another day, but we got to know that where things are happening from the acute on acute on the ground level and then more so on a, on a, on a, on a federal level and how we can kind of utilize our various communities to, to still hit on the issues we want to hit on while being able to like, so to speak, walk and chew bubble at the same time. You know what I mean? So yeah. whether it's an issue of gun violence in our communities, whether it's an issue of, you know, fully funding our education systems, whether, you know, it be healthcare, uh, access to healthcare, I should say, uh, or e- equity, right? Or parity 
in terms of healthcare, right? Because we know that like there's uh, there's food deserts. We know that there's still issues that that are compounding on um, black health issues in this country. Uh, and it's also people talk about hypertension. It's always in the food. I tell you what, though, part of high blood pressure is living in an economically uh, insecure situation every single day and generation after generation after generation. You're thinking it's all in the food and it's only in salt. And you're like, yeah, but you're not. So you, they're telling you it's only salt when in reality it's in combination of everything. That's why environmental right. racism and justice, EJ issues are so important. That's why folks really don't want to tackle EJ because it's a comprehensive approach to really, really figuring out the root cause of our problems in this country that face black communities. They don't want to talk about EJ. Right. They want to break it down by, 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 right. by, like, right. you know, when they, when they, you know, when they, when it's as simple as them dunk, dumping the toxins in the place where black people live or the smoke is going up, you know, so you got whole communities catching, you know, 30, 40 years later coming down with cancer or lung related or breathing related uh, illnesses. Um, like I said, you got Union, Alabama, where they where people were coming down with illnesses after the factory was dumping illegally and things like that. Literally, us understand us. We don't think about that. We, most of us don't think about that when we wake up in the morning and we're just trying to go to work and pay our bills and make sure our kids are fed and do these things. But if we begin to understand, yo, why the fuck is this pothole, the same pothole in Jackson, in Flint? <laughs> why is the same? You know, why are these same issues, you know, if we can begin to connect those dots, then we then begin to think on a on a on a deeper level about those issues that need to be addressed. But also, I think it's important to make sure that we're going to the people most impacted, um, not just a yeah. black. So I'm the most impacted, but no, who, who you know, who is the most marginalized of us? Let's go talk to them about what they want. And then bring those mm-hmm. issues to the floor, because yep. that's that's the way that we're going to truly address and resolve these things. Transcending you know they the don't talented want to do that. they make yeah. us enemy number one. When we try to go talk to yeah. when we actually try to mobilize. I mean, Black mm-hmm. Panthers. Oh yeah, tried it. They shot. They shot oh, homeboy. They killing all of us for that shit. Yeah, right. So. Like uh, anyway. Okay, so that was a good conversation. So thank you. We got one more topic to touch because I mentioned it earlier. So I definitely want us to talk, touch on it. So on Friday, a federal appeals court late Friday issued an administrative stay temporarily temporarily blocking President Joe Biden's plan to cancel billions of dollars in federal student loan. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals issued the stay while it considers a motion from six Republican-led states to block the program. I need to know what states these are because there are Republicans with student loans that... Pardon? I can tell you one is Texas. I'd, I'd imagine, I think Ohio's on that list. Texas is always on the list, okay? Ohio, if Texas, Mississippi, if Mississippi Missouri. ain't on it, yeah, then it, it will get on there because it. Oh, I found it. Okay, the states I believe are Nebraska, Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, South Carolina. Basically, the Midwest and and Lindsey Graham goofy ass. The motherfucking like, <laughs> uh, I right. mean, I mean, basically, basically all the states that were brought into the vote into the union after slavery ended after chattel slavery ended right outside of missouri 
And then where everybody ran to, mm-hmm. all the racist motherfuckers, right, including Texas. Um, and, and so now that's where they at, right? And so you're like, right. who, who's living in these lawsuits? Everybody. And no, this is a full circle moment again on politics, yeah. being engaged. AGs, attorney generals, right? The attorney general of your state is the person that can levy any lawsuit on behalf of the state or all the citizens of the state, whether you voted for that person or not. Think about this for a second. If you are a person right now in Kansas with, I don't know, $10,000 of debt, I don't know, just saying, Mm. and you're a Republican, you're a Republican, and you're sitting with this debt on your shoulders right now, the attorney general of your state is going, guess what? I'm going to file a lawsuit in federal court. And 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 get, if you don't think that every, these attorney generals are talking to each other on a daily basis to try to figure out how they can actually collude or in a concerted effort block every single effort by the Biden administration or any administration that's going to bring relief to ordinary Americans. Understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? This is not a black issue. We talking about black issues. This is an American issue where people that have are out of touch reality or running our state legislatures or, or running our state governments or in our federal governments who are now talking about what you, the American people, need to know because they think they know better. And in part, though, is because we're voting them in office. We putting them people there. Why? Because we have believed, especially Republicans, Republicans, Republicans are something else. And I'm going to say this, right. because honestly, like I've never seen more people in my life vote against their interests than poor white folk in this country. I mean, honestly, honestly, I'm going to tell you, look, 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 I come, I don't come from, no, I don't, I don't come from much. And I I know that my family always voted Democrat. I'm not saying Democrat has treated black folks and and communities of color with the utmost respect ever. But if you look at just the last, I don't know, since George Bush, the daddy, right? It ain't been good. Yeah. Poor folk, look, go back to Mississippi for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Mississippi. Last. Louisiana. Last. Uh, I can almost bet you uh, my Alabama, Alabama right there last. with them. Yeah. Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, West Virginia. Uh, uh, Louisiana, yeah. West Virginia, Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky. They all read. All of and them Rand read, Paul, all of them poets here. And Rand Paul over here begging the federal government and he done blocked the infrastructure bill with the rest of the Senate, right? And they over here talking about, oh, well, no, we don't need your dollars. But then turn around and be like, please give me your dollars. Right. See, they'll vote against it because they know that you're looking at the voting record. So then therefore progressives, when they're trying to get you unseated, they go, nah, look, remember that time? I, I stood up to Democrats, but right. meanwhile, though, they're going behind your back, begging Democrats right now, talking about, please, please right. give me that money, but not so I can give it to you, so I can give it to the Brett Falls of the world. So I can right. give it to all the Brett Falls who got the money, so I can build that nice Renaissance mall, so you ain't got to go see black folk no more. Right. Just just let it, just give me the money. That's what Casinos. they say. So, right. So, so they... Yeah, so they willing to they willing to tap into the money, just not for the shit that it's meant for. Yeah. If you look at it, they didn't have no these motherfuckers weren't trying to sue when it came to uh, bailing out the banks years ago. 
right? They didn't. Not they, at all. they didn't try to sue about that. They didn't. They 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 didn't even. They ain't suing a lot of these companies for uh what they received during the pandemic. I loved when the uh, White House clapped back with all of the PPP loans that yes. were forgiven for all of these Republican Republicans that were coming forth. I mean, and they were forgiving them for millions of dollars. Yes. Like, so yeah. your Republican senators, basically, you see that they are out of touch with many of us. They they're not the everyday people. If they got five million dollar companies that they are uh, wiping out debt from for uh, PPP loans and things like that. These people don't relate to the everyday people. And when Cirillo was defining, describing the Midwest, I was like, damn, you know what? It probably would have made more sense to call that shit the North South. Because the reality is, is that's much more how it how it functions uh than it than it does um Ooh, you know, anything else. And so um I, I I look at the resistance that exists when it comes to uh Republicans and the uh, the ability to create access to funds and i think that when it comes to student loans that it is just like many of these other things for them it's the idea of giving money to us uh black and brown folks uh they rather the sacrifice of, everybody yeah yeah that's they'll it. burn this motherfucker down they they'll rather, sure rather burn it to the ground than to than to allow us to live in it also and and I, that's to have that's any really kind of leg up, to have yeah. any kind of leg up, right? You're looking at some of the top bars in this country of black and brown brown folks. We've been told that if I get education, if I just go to school, if I'm a law-abiding citizen, right, I do everything I need to do. But yet, when I come out, I still don't have a job that matches my actual degree. I Systemic still don't crisis. have. Systemic, it just goes, it's just literally like, I mean, you can't even mention anything without talking about systemic racism. I mean, you really can't. And it's sad, man, because, you know, honestly, I think to myself sometimes, man, I talked to my lady the other day about this. I was like, man, I am exhausted. And I'm only 36. I am exhausted. Exhausted, tired. About talking about this stuff, man. It's like, yo, when is enough enough? Like, when do we say on a human level, yo, I just don't want you to have cancer. I don't want you to grow up with lead pipes. Why? Because from a human level, why would you want that for anyone? Like, I don't, don't want to overprice about- medical. I don't want to overprice insulin and diabetes, knowing that y'all, y'all, all, you know, the majority of people being impacted by this are African-American or Black Systemic people. racism. Do you think that black folks want to eat these not unnutritional, non-nutritional foods. It's right. just sometimes all you can afford. Like if right. all I can afford is the dollar menu at McDonald's or Wendy's and I got to eat for the day. You thinking I'm worried about 10 years from now? Nigga, right. I may not even, I may not even be living in 10 years. No, seriously. Like that's, seriously. That's a scary reality, man. Like, and that's why when, when you, you know, we talk about environmental justice and racism and everything still, right, to some degree, is that when you got this one foot in, one foot out, or you are constantly living in survival mode and you're not living in the idea of what thriving even looks we like. We don't even know. We don't even know what that shit feel like, man. You don't even know. You don't I mean, know. So literally every single day you wake up, you just like, yeah, bro, if I could just get the next month, if I could just pay, you know what I'm saying? If I could just get to next tomorrow. And it's like, yo, like at what point do you be like, damn, dog, like, 
I look at these billionaires in the world in the United States. We got the most billionaires in the entire world in this country. And we can end hunger. I read a stat the other day, bro. It was like 14 million children right now, you know, facing hunger issues in America. We got children that can't have a, a decent meal at night. I'm like, in what country? Bro, man, when I, when I tell you, I was thinking the other day, man, when I used to go to my grandparents' house here in Mississippi, my, both my grandfather, my, my uh, maternal grandfather and my paternal grandmother's homes, uh, their first homes. Well, my grand, my, my paternal grandmother, I mean, my paternal grandmother always had the same house. I didn't realize, you know, cause, because of the love that was in those places that I was, we were going to like, was essentially people would call a shack, a shotgun house. Each of those times that I was going to my granddaddy's house, and I was going to my grandmother's house. And uh, both of my, 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 my parents grew up with large families, eight and nine siblings. And they lived in these essentially one to two bedroom homes. You know what I mean? And they grew up there, no running water. Uh, my 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 mother didn't have running water in her house. She said that when they were growing up, they were poor to poor people. You know what I mean? She said we was Edgar Allan Poe. And um, and my my dad also, they had a like I think they didn't they had a, they didn't have plumbing inside their house until like the 80s. Right. Like I remember mm. when my I remember when my grandma I was alive when my grandmama got her bathroom put on her house. Like a, a inside mm. bathroom. Put and so when you think about these are the people who were trying to prepare us and put us in position to be able to go to school versus my white friends whose parents literally paid their tuition, you know, like they weren't standing in line. Like it was a it was a line at Tougaloo. You know, when we were standing up and everybody was in that motherfucker. It was out the door. You know what I mean? Like, the, like, like, like it was out the door, like it was homecoming. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we all standing in that motherfucker, not realizing that what we are about to sign up for is our, we about to buy our first motherfucking house. When, at 18, we about to buy, we about to essentially be in the same type of debt that you would be in from buying your first home, just standing in line, trying to get in school. We think it's a part of the process. Yeah. Not I was going to say somebody that else get paid. Yeah, the predatory loan process is yes. a real one. The fact that 18 year olds get access to 100, 200, 250,000 dollars in debt, but your average 18 year old can't walk into a bank with a with a good business idea and get that and get that loan funded right. because they don't know the loan officer. They might be you know, it might be red line where they're not try, even trying to get to that community anyway, like and, and on top of that, we and we haven't addressed that. Like we haven't addressed the fact that it costs so much to run these institutions. Inflation is real for everybody. So, you know, so I understand that like schools and colleges as a business still want the best teachers, still want to be able to give their teachers a living wage. We within the last year, Howard University um, teachers, professors actually went on strike because they weren't getting the wages they supposed to get, they're supposed to get. I mean, but the university system can't be propped up by the federal government because, like you said, they don't want to give that. They don't want to give to public universities. They damn sure don't want to give to HBCUs. Right. And you know, uh, this is just right. You literally, and had they a don't want to give right? to us. Right. <laughs> and, and, and Maryland just had to sue to get the money. Right. Like yes, uh, Maryland yeah, sued to get the money. It was like yeah, three Mm -hmm. It's a scam, dog. It's a scam how they tell you one thing you can't do this, the next thing you can't do that. 
Like legitimately, like if folks take a hundred thousand dollars worth of loans, imagine like they are somehow how you gonna pay for it. You know what's crazy yeah. is this is the irony of this. Mm-hmm. Even like, well, if I give you a house and you got you know, education, you can't pay for it. But then like you you go and get your education and you come out with your bachelor's, you still can't pay for it. Right. But I now I'm hundred my education. Now, <laughs> now, now I'm a now I'm sixty plus thousand dollars in debt for my education. So I I so now I can't pay for that either. Right. But so, but the crazy part about it, I can extinguish a mortgage. I can bank. I can go into bankruptcy and extinguish that debt. I can never extinguish uh, my uh, my. And my, they my did that shit debt. in two thousand, like around two thousand two thousand two. Know it, and yeah. so like, bro, they, they knew the so, money was coming. They knew the money they knew was it. coming. They knew it, and so it's like, yo, they, and then you know what I hate the most, man. I get, I feel so passionate about this because I have over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt. Like you know what I mean. So, uh, and I'm telling you God right damn. now. I need that. Like, I need that. I need that. Kevin Hart. God damn. Right. Yeah. yeah damn. Yeah. Nigga, shit. Uh, yeah. but no, but it's true though. Like when I look at like once my uh my interest um compounded and I finally graduated, right? So you you end it, but as soon as you gra- walk across that stage, interest accrued immediately. Boom. Right? right. And so it's like all the interest that was like waiting on you to graduate, here right. come bam. And right. so you know. I look at this and go, and I hate, bro, I hate, and this is across the board, man. This older folk, this is, this ain't even white people. Now we ain't talking about Republicans. We talking about all older folk who done paid off their loans and have the nerve when they got a job, when actually when a bachelor's education was paying what the actual amount of their loan was so they can right. begin to start paying back on it, right? Mm-hmm. You find me a job right now, if I come out with a bachelor's degree, you find me a job making $95,000 if I just paid for whatever. I got to work. That's why they come up with this uh, student loan debt forgiveness program when you're working for public interest and nonprofit because they were right. like, look, I you mean, hell. They ain't never going to be able to pay this back. They ain't going to be able to pay this back. School teachers ain't never so, going to be able to pay this back. So, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, how do you, bro, there's no way you can rationalize this. There's no way you can rationalize And that is why right now, Enrollment is on another year. This is the third year in a row. The national enrollment for college is gone down. Right, man. Because I mean, your product, the product you giving the people, it ain't selling no more because what you what you selling, people can't use to have an adequate life. And now the fact that I, I, you can go to get courses and get coursework and get certificates, yeah. I can now I can now train myself in tech. I can yeah, watch yeah, YouTube I can do videos. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, I can learn how to code. Well, the the thing is, and you know, I'm not knocking school, but the old models are dying out from work, the way we work, us being on Zoom right now, like to the way that we learn. All that shit is changing. You know what I mean? Even with this metaverse shit that's coming, like kids ain't gonna have to be in classrooms. They're gonna literally wear their classroom. And so um when you think about those types of things, like you you begin to understand like yeah in a lot of ways we have been played because we were right between that you know we were we were right between the digital era and the you know the analog era of things a lot of us and so uh, literally the credit card people used to be sitting right outside the cafeteria at our school like signing people up like he was sitting right in the cafeteria like in the in the the place between the, the lobby of the cafeteria. That's where he was. Yep. And yep. he was signing people up like left and right. And you know what? They was hungry. And he shit to them. 
that was free money, not debt. You know what I mean? There was no concept of what debt was at that time for an 18 year old. And to be honest, and you know what I mean? Like, this is one of the reasons why you have to at least be 18 for a contract to not be voided or voidable when you sign it. Like, if you're 17 and you sign a contract, guess what? I can take you into court and defend you on that contract and say, hey, they weren't old enough to do. But literally, a, a month later, you yep. can you can li- literally get plotted on. And you are mm-hmm. absolutely right. Th- them setting up credit card lenders, and, at that, and I, I think they have outlawed that since that time, but them setting them up was the equivalent, at HBCUs was the equivalent of them setting up predatory lo- loan services, uh, payday loan services in our, in our communities, all around our communities. And in a lot of ways, the same was true with student loans because they made it sound like it was something that was sexy to us, something that like, hey, if you just do this, you'll be able to go to school. The reality was all we wanted was to be able to go to school. Like, so we we were willing to do whatever because we can't go home and tell our moms and our dads that, you know, we got kicked out of school and our, and our moms and our dads don't have the means to, to say to us, well, look, don't sign that. Don't worry about it. We're going we gonna to pay Fifty thousand dollars on it, and that's for a fucking year, not not for your entire uh, matriculation through the, the the college or university. And so, um, I mean, like, and, and who who has that money on hand? Like, certainly not. A, like, the goal was for them to put us in position. Like, they they were trying to make sure they put us in positions to be able to have access to to that, so that you know, now your kids don't have to get it from because you know we we put you in a position to not be able to do that not have to do that. And so, you know, it's, hey, it's and, a frustrating thing to think about. And y'all, by the way, if y'all just learn, if y'all just want to know what stay means um, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, doing the appeal is that, hey, they file a lawsuit, right, in federal district court, right? And so then they say, hey, we're going to appeal it. The appeal court, appellate level say, hey, we're going to stay this. What they mean by that is that they're going to allow the federal court's decision to remain intact until other courts or the Supreme Court at some point says, hey, this is constitutional. Uh, it doesn't overstep certain laws, whatever like that. And then you can follow through with Biden's student debt relief program. So if you want to know exactly what is happening in a, on a regular level, it's like the court is saying that the lawsuit that was filed and said that the debt program should not be in place is going to remain in place until the Supreme Court rules. And so now that's in the hand of Supreme Court. And then so another full circle moment, we have a conservative leaning bench. And so what does that mean? Right. That means that they're going to find any by any means necessary to do what they need to do to what to fall in line with the conservative agenda. And who do we say are conservatives? Republicans. And I don't want to politicize the actual Supreme Court, but God damn it, that's what it is right now. Oh, it is definitely. literally it is progressives and Democrats fighting against Republicans. And we will talk about elections don't matter. Your vote doesn't matter. Whatever the case may be. We literally gave up three seats, three big time seats under the Trump administration. Bro, this man got three people to the bench. Yes. Three lifetime appointments, people. Term limits for me all day. I will vote so if you, for, for candidates who, who fuck with term limits. 
let me tell you right now, like, and, and now we, now once again, we're about to face another blockbuster issue with student debt really being in the balance and Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians and Independents are going to what they're being held in the balance and now have to deal with student, student, student debt that they can't get up off of them because you got Republicans in office who believe that they know what's best for you and for others when you know for a fact that your communities, your families, and your friends will all benefit from the student debt relief program. And I digress. And by the way, though, we should all be voting because when you don't vote, even if you didn't get everything you needed to get or wanted to get, when you don't vote in the year, especially following everything that's happened, and you got even semblances of it, you know what that tells legislators? It says, guess what? We tried, they didn't care about it, and then bring them out to the polls. And so therefore we're gonna about face on this issue and then move forward on something else. And so think about this as you move into election day and early vote, uh, national early vote days on October 28th and election days on November 8th. I want you to bear in mind exactly what's at stake. And it's not just student debt relief, it is literally the, it's literally the actual, this is, you know, every year it's like the, it's the biggest election. But this is critical. It's critical. Jesus it's Christ, fact. man. It's it is critical. You actually answered my last question. So I'm going to throw it to CJ. Why is it so important for folks to vote in this midterm election? It's important because we see the stagnation that exists in this country right now as a result of not having the ability to have um, the president, the Senate, and the uh, and Congress all working together. Like, we that's a that's a that's a ridiculous struggle in which we have seen essentially not much of the policy that could occur occur and impact all of our lives uh because literally you still have people like mansion in place right mm. in west virginia uh if we don't have the senate then we can't pass a lot of the things that we need to get passed um and, and when I say we, I'm talking about everybody that ain't fucking batshit crazy like Republicans and conservatives. Because I don't necessarily identify as a Democrat myself, but uh, by the, I relate to them more closely than I do Republicans and I would never vote Republican. And so in that regard, I understand that who I'm working with uh, is the people that I believe I have an actual ability to work with. And that's the Democrats. And so whether it be the House or the Senate, it's essential that people go out and vote. There's a reason that they that they are working so hard uh, to disenfranchise so many of us black voters. Right. Black voters were the ones who turned out early. And so they have begun the process of attempting to figure out how to deter us from showing up and showing out because it does make a difference. It does make a difference that. We got access to the $10,000. Now, I need way more than $10,000 for my student loans, but I'm not going to not take the $10,000 <laughs> for my student loans. And and the same is true. I think that Biden has really attempted to implement policy um, and ideas, you know, that, you know, could be transformative at some point. Same might be true with the uh, with the with the uh, cannabis law. Uh, the cannabis exoneration that he that he brought up, you know, it's 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 not mm. super significant at the level that it could be, 
but it's a start that nobody else has done thus far. And those are things that he can do on the executive level, but we need legislatures in the in Congress that that can write the laws that that you know erase erase this criminalization of people who have uh, been charged with simple possession or even sale charges for marijuana. You know what I mean? Like we need to destigmatize that in a way and decriminalize that in a way that allows these people to become upstanding members of society and allow them, allow them to re-enter the world with a with an opportunity that others are making billions off of right now. And you know, that's conservative that is conservatives making billions off of selling weed. It's, you know what I mean? It's Republicans making billions off of selling weed right now. And so uh I, you know, and they the ones that, you know, that that, that push these laws. So what I would say is it's critical to vote. Uh and I and I'm not I'm not gonna tell people vote because people uh die for it. I'm not trying to guilt anyone into voting, but I think that uh, it's one piece of strategy that we can utilize to try to get to where we're going. We know that we have no ear or no audience with uh conservatives, with Republicans, with the motherfuckers who ran up in that ran up in a place on January 6th and who kissing Trump's ass. We know that. And so understanding that. I would rather, you know, try to work with who I believe actually would be willing to and who I can hold accountable in the event that they don't, uh, either by running people against them or, you know, or by, you know, doing whatever needs to be done to ensure that they're never the ones to hold that that position again. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly something that we that we need to do. It's certainly something that is critical, especially right now, um, because uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how hard Trump's four years were for y'all. They were very, <laughs> they were yeah. fucking, they were very, very, I mean, if it yeah. wasn't for black with no chaser existing during that same period, I don't know how I would have functioned or made it through that particular period in time. Hey, bruh. Yeah, I just want and y'all get ready, man. Y'all get ready. Democrats are likely gonna lose the house. And you know, I just read an article. Let me just I know I know it's my last thing. I just want a little next little tidbit. Um, you know, because polls are going back and forth. I think one poll like two weeks ago was like, Yeah, Democrats are gonna like, you know, not really lose 50, Why people stupid though. Seats. Like, like Why people they gonna stupid, lose bro? like 50. Like they gonna like, and then th- this week is like, oh yeah, Democrats about to be, you know. I'm like, look, man, like whatever it is they gotta do um, to to scare the living hell out of people. I think the media is gonna try and do. Uh, I look at like the stock market. Every time the stock market they say it's going down, it's going up. When they say it's going up, it's going down. Like it literally, it just, it just like it's like opposite day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's a, it's a lot like, of stupid. Oh. It's, it, I always wonder how the shit be so close. How it be fifty fifty. Like that's a whole other conversation <laughs> because they are not talking to everybody. Right. Who they calling landlines? Who the hell got a landline under the age of fifty five? Well, right. Um. <laughs> it's, it's all First, kinds of factors that go into polls. I so, I've said this before. My boy Mondell said it before. First of all, black folk been finessing white folk for a long time right <laughs> yeah and and i'm like if you call a black person right now and you ask them a question 
they're going to give you maybe a semblance of what they're thinking. Yeah. But they also thinking like, why the hell yeah, you well, calling me anyway? I had to tell you everything. Especially yeah. parent, so, our parents' age, they definitely ain't telling them. Oh, the hell no. Nah. Man, look. They not, bro. They gonna, they gonna, they gonna, they gonna, they gonna. I know my daddy be flat, flat out lying to him, like, "Oh yeah, man, I can't wait." <laughs> and then, and then, and don't give a goddamn. So what I'm saying is, like, man, but we gotta. I'm not saying. And shout out to my boy, man, from uh uh H and T, Terrence Woodbury, and then we're doing really, really, really good data. I think this is why black people in polling, and I think that needs to be a next push from political operatives out there is black folks in in polling. And doing more data, uh, um, data collection, whether it be qualitative or quantitative or a combination of the two, uh, but we gotta have more of us out there doing it because it's really about the questions that are being asked, um, that are be getting the answers that we we are getting, and I, so we gotta start asking questions that are relative to our communities, so we can actually get to the answers uh, that we need to get to. But lastly, it's the analysis of the answers that's really displacing um, or misplacing some of the, uh, I think some of the uh, political strategy in this country. I think a lot of folks are just like, you got a lot of white folks. I mean, respectfully, I mean, I'm, I'm saying respectfully right now in the most respectful way possible, but when you don't come from these communities, your analysis is gonna fall short every single time. You don't have the, there's a cultural barrier there. That's a natural cultural barrier that you just don't have. That's why it's very important um, that we kind of start finding our ways into the data mining and collection type of vibes um, and political uh, as political operatives. You know what I mean? So Terrence and everybody yep. over there, uh, thank you so much for what y'all doing, man. Y'all killing it. But anyway, yeah. So listen, we have talked about so much. So I'm expecting all of our listeners to kind of take the time to dive into these topics on their own. Like they mentioned on this call, we're not trying to sell you or force you to think about things in these ways, take the time to do the research on your own. Take the time to read a few books, read a few articles, ask a few questions, talk to the people that you know and trust to get information that will be reflective of your needs. But to summarize a lot of things that we talked about, you know, systematic racism is a real thing. Um, And it trickles down from our housing and environmental crisis, crisis that we have right now, education, we talked about it there. We talked about it there when it comes to welfare and access to the money that we need to be able to pull ourselves up from the, our bootstraps that this country so prides itself so much on telling us that we can do. And in, and in real time, we see that they continue to move that goal post back. So, you know, it's going to take a a nuanced approach to blackness and black communications and black politics in order for us to really see the change that we want to see. I want to end on a note of telling you all to pick up Charles Blow's book, The Devil You Know. I think it's really important and reflective for us to mention that there are so many people in Jackson, Mississippi, because the numbers don't lie. He breaks that down in that book. If we all took the time to actually move back to the South that in which we're doing, we are reverse migrating right now to the South. One, because it's warmer and you already know the gene- our gene pool is saying we need to leave that fucking cold shit to them folks up there. Um, but, you know, it's that's it's a real thing for us to start thinking about what the future of blackness in America looks like and what we could be doing to positively affect that.
I always tell people, if you don't live within 20, 30 minutes of an HBCU, you living in the wrong part of the U.S. I'm going to repeat that one more time. If you do not live driving distance to an HBCU, you are living in the wrong parts of the U.S. And numbers matter. You know what I'm saying? We would be in control of tons of Senate seats if we actually moved back down to the South. We could take Georgia, Texas, all Mississippi, and be able to have the state legislators that we need in order to get what we need for communities of color. So I'm going to end it there because we talk about so much. I want to say thank you so much to my Black with No Chaser crew. I want to congratulate them on the next step, which is the radio app. So I'm going to have them tell you how to get to it. What's the social media handles and where do we go to get this radio app? All right. All right. Well, we got the Black Window Chaser radio app. You can literally go to the Apple App Store as of right now and type in BWNC radio and download it. It's got our podcast on it. It's got dope music on it. We're going to start having live stuff on that. We'd love to have, you know, you up on there, you know what no, I, mean? I mean, doing your thing. You Don't know, he love to have that. And you know, talk about talk, talking about this this here argue argue with who? You know, what argue I mean? with like, your mama now. Argue with your mama now. I love that. Listen, I not love the, me, I love baby. that shit. And yeah, we also you know obviously we on Instagram, we on YouTube, we on all of the all of the places as Black with No Chaser. But they let us be that. Yeah, and you can find us if you type in Black with No Chaser on Google. It's gonna show you where we is. It's gonna be us. Everything, everything. everything. I SEO, I SEO is tight. <laughs> it's tight, baby. And last thing is, uh, watch Dem Thrones is right now the number twenty two podcast show on Spotify. So shout out to the whole team there. We building y'all. Um, yeah. you can follow Dem Hands University. That shit is trademarked. So stop playing with us. Uh, Big you know, because we got folks after y'all. We see y'all out there ripping our brand off. We'll, we'll really talk about do. another show. Yeah, they really do, though. They really do. Um, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. This is these are facts. I don't know. I don't trying to lie to y'all, man. Uh, but no, I just want to thank Kina. I want Kina. Thank you so much for so, inviting us back to your show, man. It's been a. It's been one hell of a, a hour here, and uh, we wish you nothing but show. success. You know what I'm saying? With uh, argue with your mama. I love Not that me. shit, man. I like yeah, that shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, you I know, know, we gotta, yeah. we gotta. In order for us to touch the people, we gotta get authentic with these titles. Thanks. Uh, and that's where it came from. Cause you ain't about to argue with me on Twitter. Argue with yeah. your mama, not me, baby. Right All right, there. so you I, already know. <laughs> so you already know I am on Instagram and I am on uh, Twitter, Kina underscore Zontel or Kina Zontel. I'm trying to figure out this TikTok thing. I feel like I'm an old lady, but we gonna work it out because I'm trying to get you, your mama look, on. I'm about to, TikTok. I'm about to, I'm about to start doing classes because we just started getting our TikTok popping. Yeah, yeah. I had to figure. Yes, like please. I had to, I'm kind of a social media, not kind of, but like social media. Uh, no, shit. y'all are y'all are <laughs> yeah. up here on the social media. I'm gonna put you on how yeah. to figure that shit out. We gonna, we gonna, I'm gonna break it down into the science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we actually gonna do classes for everybody, more master classes, um, where people can engage with Black with No Chaser that we can give more back. Um, you know what I mean? Because we realize that folks need help, and you know everybody can't pay for everything. And yeah. so from a from from a content and just love of the game, we're gonna start giving back. Uh, and showing folks how to build their platforms up. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, but it takes time. And that's the thing, too, though, is like, you, you know, it like, like CJ didn't wake up an expert really in in in, mm-hmm. in, in social media. It, right. it literally has taken us years to figure this out. So um, it, it ain't, it ain't going to be the, 
exactly if you went to comm communication school or use some digital marketing right. program. But the proof is in the pudding, and that pudding is black with no chaser, and it's black as hell. It's Chaka City over here, so I just want to say that. Woo! So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we love doing All right, you. Thank you. Am, Thank you. So the crew is signing out. Thank you so much. See you on the next episode. Bye. 